Pastor Xavier Reese on the importance of a consistent relationship with the Lord. Look at the whole of Jehoshaphat's life. One time he really seeks the Lord, and the other time he just does everything against the Lord. And the awesome thing about that is that God has put us a light to the world, and my life is inconsistent. Sometimes I'm so right on with the Lord, and then, you know, do everything that's contrary to the Lord. And so we have to be careful to make sure that our lips match our feet, that our life matches our walk. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Open any cookbook, and it's highly unlikely the ingredients for making an omelet are mixing two good eggs and one bad one. Unfortunately, we tend to live our Christian life with the same type of bad practice of allowing in sinful behavior alongside the righteous. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to his verse-by-verse study series in the Old Testament and draws out life lessons from those who lived yesterday for life lessons for God's followers today. Turn to chapter 17 of the book of 2 Chronicles for today's lesson. We come to the reign of Jehoshaphat, a good king in some respects. (laughs) Verse 1 of chapter 17 says, Then Jehoshaphat his son reigned in his place, and strengthen himself against Israel. Once again, Israel speaks of the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, those who had set up the idolatrous worship of the calf worship, Judah being Benjamin and Judah, the southern kingdom. And in verse 2 it says that he placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah. He set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa, his father, had taken. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, and the Baals were different gods of the regions. But he sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments, and not according to the acts of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat, and he had riches and honors and abundance. Notice that as long as we are walking in the way God has prescribed to us, God remains faithful to his people. When men walk away from God, then God remains true to his word. And so when men walk with God, God remains true to his word. God can have no party with sin. God can have no party with sinful alliances. And so the Old Testament examples, admonishments for our learning, Not simply stories to criticize, not simply stories to look down on certain men, but stories to put ourselves side by side lest we come to the very same place. Notice in verses he says, And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he moved the high places and the wooden images from Judah. He's talking about the pagan worship, the Canaanite worship of the fertility gods, and which... uh, was accompanied with lewd sexual acts. And he tore all these down. And also in the third year of his reign, he set his leaders, and he gives the names of them, and he put them to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them he sent Levites, and he gives their names in verse 8. And so they taught Judah, says verse 9, and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. And the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the land that were round 
about Judah, so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. There should always be a premium on the teaching of God's word. As we look to our very own day, as we look to the churches in our very own community, it should not be any surprise that those churches who teach the word of God consistently and faithfully, God will be faithful to bring people and to cause growth and development. But those churches that remove themselves from the basic and simple and consistent teaching of the word of God for activities, programs, then they begin to tear on their own foundation because people cannot grow on anything apart from the word of God. It's when the pastors become fearful for losing people and they begin to water down the word of God and they compromise thinking that it's only to keep the people. Then they really have lost the people already. The pastor has a responsibility to preach and to teach the word of God and allow God to add to the church daily such as should be saved. And that teaching and that preaching should be prefaced and preceded by prayer for the people who are coming. And when that happens, God will do as he wills. And the shepherd can rest in God. Here, as a result of that also, he allowed Jehoshaphat to be in peace. Fear fell upon all the people around the country. But in verse 11 it says, also some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents, silver as tribute. The Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams, 7,700 male goats. So Jehoshaphat became very powerful increasingly, verse 12 says. Verse 13 says he had much property, mighty men of valor in Jerusalem. And verse 14 says, these are their number according to their father's house. And he enumerates them. Chapter 18 now, Jehoshaphat. It says he had riches and honors in abundance. And by marriage he allied himself with Ahab. Oh, why? It seems as we're going to see that Jehoshaphat just had a bent to being unequally yoked. Every one of us as Christians have weaknesses, have areas that if we're not careful can destroy us, can disqualify us for service. Jehoshaphat did tremendous things regarding the people of God, regarding obedience to God. But in the area of being unequally yoked, he just had big problems. Why in the world would he want to align himself with Ahab, which was one of the most wicked kings? Why? And this was not just once that he did, but he did it more than once. He didn't pay heed to God's word. Neither did he pay heed to God's warnings. In verse 2 it says, that after some years he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance for him and the people who were with him, persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth Gilead. And so Ahab king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat king of Judah, Will you go up with me against Ramoth Gilead? And he answered him and said, I'm as you are, and your people are as mine, and uh, we'll go with you to war. Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 of them, and he said to them, Shall we go up to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall we refrain? And they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? That was a checkpoint 
That was a Holy Spirit checkpoint. So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him, because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. He is Micaiah, the son of Imla. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say such a thing. Then the king of Israel called one of his officers and said, Bring Micaiah, the son of Imla, quickly. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, clothed in their robes, sat each one on his throne, and they sat at the threshing floor of the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. Now there was this prophet Zedekiah, the son of Kenaniah. He had horns of iron he had made for himself. And he says, Thus saith the Lord, With these you shall gore the Assyrians until they are destroyed. And he was running around doing his little ditty, you know, and just, you know, and just giving them confidence. But it was false. And all the prophets prophesied the same way, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Now listen, the words of the prophets are with one accord, encouraging the king. Therefore, please, let your words be like the words of the one of them, and speak encouragement. And Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, whatever my God says, that I will speak. I like that. Then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go up to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall we refrain? He said, Go and prosper, and they shall be delivered into your hand. So the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And then Micaiah got real serious with him. And then he says, I saw all of Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. He gave him the truth. You're going to be wiped out. See, Micaiah came out at first and he just mocked them. He said, oh, yeah, go up. God's going to bless you. And he knew it wasn't the truth. He said, tell me the truth. And he prophesied the outcome of the battle. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? And Micaiah said, therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the hosts of heaven standing in his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab, king of Israel, to go up, that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one spoke in this manner, and another spoke in that manner. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said to him, In what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all the prophets. And the Lord said, You shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Did you hear what we just read? That baffles some people. An evil spirit. A spirit says, I will be a lying spirit. Remember one thing, that God is the one who is in control of all things. And that God uses Satan at times, to accomplish his purposes. If you look at the book of Revelation during the Great Tribulation, you will realize that the Antichrist is and will do only what God has prescribed him to do. He can do no more. He can do no less. And so we realize that the ultimate ruler of the world is God. He is sovereign. All are under his control.
Did he not tell Satan, have you considered my servant Job? The word consider is a military term. Have you looked and strategized at the weakest way that you can get him? Satan needed his permission. Satan said, well, you know, he serves you because you have a hedge around him. God says, I'll take the hedge down. He touched his family. He touched all his material possessions. God says, what of it? He says, skin for skin, yea, will a man give all that he has. Let me touch his body. He says, touch him from his head to his feet, but you cannot take his life. God used Satan. God gave permission. God is in control. Satan is called the God of this world by Paul, the prince in the power of the air. Jesus calls him the prince of this world. He does have authority and dominion over the non-believer, but not the believer. First John says that the wicked one does not touch the child of God. If God allows us to be tested, he will also give us the way of escape. Man, what a tremendous verse. I'm glad they put that in there. I'm glad the Lord let that be registered. Can you imagine how crazy we'd be running around if we didn't have that promise, that assurance? God is faithful. And here, he sends a lying spirit, which is another interesting observation. Can man reject the truth of God to such an extent that God then gives a man up to the lie? It would seem that the scriptures do teach that in the Old Testament as well as the New. He tells the Thessalonians that because they did not receive the truth, he will give them over to a lie. It is amazing the foolish and silly lies that man will fall prey to once he has rejected the truth over and over and over again. And such is the case here. They embraced the lie. Yet they had the truth presented to them. They knew it also. Please make that observation. They knew it. The king knew that it was a word from God. And yet he did not pay heed. Then Zedekiah in verse 23, the son of Cananah, when Aaron struck Micaiah on the cheek, the other false prophet, and he says, which way did the spirit from the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, indeed you shall see the day when you go into the inner chamber to hide. Then the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son. And say, Thus saith the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread and affliction of, and water of affliction until I return in peace. Micaiah said, If you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. <laughs> and he said, Take heed, all you people. You see, that's the test of a prophet. Now, there are a lot of people today that pass themselves off as prophets. You know what the test of a prophet is? 100% accurate. You can't ever fail. You were stoned. So those people that want to pass themselves off as modern-day prophets, remind them of the consequences of failing just once. Micaiah says, if it doesn't come to pass, then I'm not a prophet of God. It's heavy. And then he turns to the people and says, take heed, all you people. He warns the king. He warns the people. And so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle. But you put on your robes so the king of Israel disguised himself and they went into battle. So they, they exchanged clothing to disguise himself. He wanted to get into the battle. Now the king of Syria had already commanded the captains of the chariots who were with him, saying, fight with no one small or great, but only with the king of Israel. So they had him pegged. They weren't going to bother with anybody. They were all going to rush the king. They are just going to wipe him out and end the battle. But the king didn't know that. They had exchanged clothing. 
What a surprise. <laughs> and so it was when the captains in the chariot saw Jehoshaphat, and they said, It is the king of Israel. Therefore they surrounded him to attack. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped them, and God moved them to turn away from him. Man, is the Lord merciful and graceful or what? Now put yourself in that position. You've been in a position like that. I've been in a position like that. Where I've been where I shouldn't be. And the Lord, by his grace, delivers me. A place where the Lord says, don't go there. And yet he's graceful enough to be merciful and deliver me. Who says our God's not merciful, long-suffering, full of goodness? I mean, his record is, 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 is clean. It's consistent throughout Scripture. Verse 32 says, For it was when the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel that they turned back from pursuing him. Now a captain, I like this scripture, now a certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. So he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and take me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day, and the king of Israel propped himself upon his chariot, facing the Syrians until evening. And about that time of sunset, he died. It just happened at random. God had prophesied that he would die. Can you imagine in the midst of the battle, all these guys just running around with swords and spears and arrows and everything else, and all of a sudden, you know, just at random, a guy's been shooting arrows all day, and he just kind of just shoots an arrow up, and it hits a king. No coincidence. God directs that arrow. Because God tells the things before they happen, so when they happen, you know he's God. And not just some pronosticator. Now in chapter 19, Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to the house in Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat. Now I've often wondered what was going through Jehoshaphat's mind as he was coming back. Did he feel convicted? Did he, I mean, did he have any sense of guilt or anything? Did he think he could just come back into Jerusalem and everything was going to be just rosy? And yet as the prophet met him, he said, Should you help the wicked? And love those who hate the Lord. Therefore the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Nevertheless, good things are found in you. In that you have removed the wooden images from the land. And have prepared your heart to seek the Lord. He removed the asherims from the groves. Those places of idol worship. Of sensual worship. And God had mercy on him though he had disobeyed. The question is. How often can we continue to disobey in the same area before God allows us to reap the consequences? I mean, I see God's grace. I see his love. But how far can we push it before perhaps we disqualify ourselves or add to our own hurt that we're never the same? God's grace once again on him. Rebuked by the prophet, yet mercy was poured out upon him. As a result of that, verse 4, Jehoshaphat dwelt in Jerusalem. He went out again among the people of Beersheba to the mountains of Ephraim. He brought them back to the Lord God of their fathers. And then he said, judges in the land from city to city. Verse 6 says, he, he said to them, take heed that, to do what you are doing. For you do not judge for men, but for the Lord who is with you in the judgment. Man, I wish judges would understand this. I wish the judges of our court system understood this. They had a plaque over their door. That they judge in the place of God that one day they're going to be judged by the very same God they're representing. Remember that Paul in Romans and also Peter tells us that the magistrates that are in, in function today, the police force and everything else, are ordained of God. They are ministers of God. Though they're not believers, they are ministers of God for good, not for evil. And one day God will hold them responsible in the way they have executed judgment. 
awesome. And so here Jehoshaphat begins a reform. It begins with righteous judgment. Verse 7 says, Now therefore let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no partiality nor taking of bribes. Moreover in Jerusalem, he said the judgment of the Lord for controversy, so he set the higher court in Jerusalem. If there was any controversies, they could appeal to the courts in Jerusalem. Verse 9 on down, he tells us uh, the Levites and that that he placed over them. Then in chapter 20, it happened that after this, that the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. So there was a confederacy of these nations, Ammon, Moab, and the Edomites. They came against him. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you and from beyond the sea, speaking about the Dead Sea, from Syria, and they are in um, Hazazan, Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all of Judah. Now here we see the man responding the way he should. We see that he's made a mistake, but we see that he turns to the Lord. We see him getting in trouble, and he turns to the Lord. That's commendable. But I want you to look at the whole of Jehoshaphat's life. Though we can pick out good things and we should learn from them, there was an inconsistency with his life. Because one time he really seeks the Lord and the other time he just does everything against the Lord. And the awesome thing about that is that God has put us a light to the world. And if my life is inconsistent, and if sometimes I'm so right on with the Lord and then, you know, there comes a period in my life where I just do everything that's contrary to the Lord, what is the message that I'm communicating to the people around me? Maybe we can't blame the world for the expression that all there are is hypocrites in the church. Because that's all they've seen too often. But I always remind them that even though that may be true, there's no hypocrites in heaven, so they can be rejoicing over that. And so we have to be careful to make sure that our lips match our feet, that our life matches our walk. Now, none of us are perfect, but there's a difference between falling short because of our weaknesses, because of stumbling, and a willful decision to just rebel against the Lord. That's a whole different thing. So he seeks the Lord. He proclaims the fast throughout all Judah. And so Judah gathered together to ask help of the Lord. They gathered, verse 5 says, in the new court of the temple. And verse 6 says, this is what they said, O Lord God, our, our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? It's always important that when I come against obstacles that are far beyond my abilities, that I always place those impossible situations against the potential of God. Then they will be reduced down to proper size. Whenever I measure the impossibility of any task in my life with the abilities of man or my own abilities, I get overwhelmed. But if I am being faithful to the Lord and if I am seeking the Lord, then the only way I can truly measure them is with God's abilities. Then I see hope. Then I can draw close to God. And this is exactly what Jehoshaphat was doing here. Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of walking with the Lord all of the time for all of our life.
Now, you may be interested to know that today's presentation can be heard again anytime by way of the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And there's still much more to come of today's verse-by-verse study right here next time as well. But if you prefer your own personal copy on CD, we can make one available for only $4 upon request. The title to ask for is Second Chronicles chapter 17 through 24. Once again, ask for the in-depth study titled Second Chronicles chapter 17 through 24 when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com